G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Foundations. The thing I, I think that actually unifies all of the groups within the Heredii the community is their absolute unwavering reverence for the Torah. Mm. And this covers both the oral and the written laws. Foundations. Understanding the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. With Robbo Robinson and Mandy Warby. In the last program, we learned about the Hasidic Jewish community to find out what their distinct characteristics are. And in the process, we use the term ultra-Orthodox. So in this program, we're going to learn more about the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community within Judaism. When you go through a Jewish community, and this is most notable in Israel, in portions of Tiberias and very much in Jerusalem, you can go through areas and you go, okay, this is a Hasidic community. Mm. And then you'll move a little further and you go, oh, okay, this is definitely an ultra-Orthodox community. Right, okay. Okay, even though the Jewish people who were known as settlers, they have a very distinct dress style that you can even tell mm-hmm. uh, straight away. So you can see these particular groups quite closely. And a lot of people confuse the Hasidic community with the ultra-Orthodox or the Heretic community. But if you look closely, you can see some fairly strong differences. The ultra-Orthodox men typically wear uh, black suits with wide-brimmed hats. The ultra-Orthodox women wear long skirts, thick stockings, uh, head coverings. The word Heretic, it's a bit of a broad covers everything kind of a word uh, for the ultra-Orthodox Jewish community. And within the community itself, there is a really broad array of theological beliefs, political beliefs, social beliefs. The thing I, I think that actually unifies all of the groups within the Heredii, the community, is their absolute unwavering reverence for the Torah. Mm. And this covers both the oral and the written laws. They hold this as being absolute, 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 absolute. Mm. And they won't flinch on any of that. The written and the oral law for the Herodim governs and determines every single factor of daily life. And I mean everything. Mm. If you say, well, what about combing your hair? What about waking up in the morning? What about putting on your underwear? Yep, they've got that all covered. Wow, that's everything. amazing. It governs everything. That's incredible. So the Herodim afford different levels of respect to those who have higher degrees of understanding with regard to the Torah. So the more learned somebody is about the Torah and the laws and, and scripture, the more social respect and reverence they're going to get from the community, mm, well. basically. Now you talked about how you can sort of identify you know, as you walk through a community, you can say, oh, that's the heretic community there. Yeah. They're fairly isolated, aren't they, within their community? How has that sort of uh, played out into their influence within society? So. Well, the heretic community is very isolated, unlike the Hasidic community, which tends to be very joyful, outgoing, friendly and accommodating. The heretic community tends to be very insular, very isolated. They tend to want to limit their interactions as much as possible with the outside world, including non-heretic Jews and non-Jews. So they'll Mm. isolate themselves from their fellow Jews if they're not ultra-Orthodox. Okay. 
Now, sometimes they have to. For example, if they've got to go to the bank or the post office or a doctor or something like that, yes. they're Three gritted teeth. They, exactly. <laughs> they've got to do it. But for the most part, if wherever possible, they stay within their own communities. Mm. All right. So where did the Haredi community actually start then? As you know, Jews throughout history have been targeted repeatedly for persecution. Every ill that has befallen societies has been blamed on the Jews and they've been targeted mercilessly, uh, particularly in Europe and in Africa. Now, this by default has meant that Jewish communities across the board became quite insular, uh, working hard to keep themselves to themselves and to stay under the radar as much as they possibly could. And as nations grew and changed, Jews as a whole community, their progress ebbed and flowed, depending on who was in power. If they had a a national leader who was quite favourable towards them, then they would be allowed to enter, you know, professional careers Mm. and become doctors and lawyers and politicians. But then the next leaders would come in, didn't like the Jews, so they'd fall out of favour and life would become difficult Mm. again. It's been a bit... been a, a bit of a, a zigzag for the Jews throughout the history. Yeah. They're up, the down, they're up, the down, they're up, the down, according to the political whims of the day. I guess it'd be a temptation then to sort of try to assimilate into the community rather than be so different. Um, you think, well, if we can just look like everybody else, we won't get that sort of persecution. Is there, Has it there been that sort of change in the, over the Absolutely. time? Absolutely. If Again, look at Europe, where they would be targeted and they'd isolate in their communities. And then, like, look at the Enlightenment in Germany where they did assimilate, they joined the army, they established businesses, mm. they did become professionals and doctors and, you know, they were they, they were in every facet of their society. They assimilated, they were mm. secular Jews, they put away their religious stuff and they were secular and they still were targeted. Look mm. what happened with in Germany yeah, that's in right, yeah. Second World War. Mm-hmm. So whether they've be isolated themselves or whether they've fully integrated and, and assimilated with their society, <laughs> if they're Jewish, they become yeah. a target. And even if they were secular or religious, it didn't seem to make a difference either. It didn't make the slightest wow. difference. But you can understand why some would want to completely just pull out of a modern yeah. society and go and live by themselves and just study the scripture and be faithful to God's word. You mm. can kind of understand yeah, that. Fair but in isolating themselves, they really harmed themselves. Like the Heredi denomination, Heredi Judaism was founded in Poland in 1912. And these Jews, they wanted to be really fervent in their religious convictions and ensure that they didn't get swept up in the secular worldly assimilation. They saw that as betraying themselves and Mm. their own people. And so secular education was frowned upon and very few Herodim would get professional degrees. Here's the rub with this. Most of uh, the Herodim men will study the Torah full-time. That's their job. Mm but it doesn't provide an income. So their wives would get a career and they would go out and be the breadwinners. But then they start having babies. And can I tell you, the Haredi (laughs) have a lot of babies. They have big families. So then they can't go out to work. Their husbands are studying the Torah full time and mum is at home popping out babies and Mm. raising the family. So where does the money come from? Well, I guess that leads to a lot of poverty then. It must do. There's a lot of poverty within the ultra-Orthodox community and they demand a stipend, like a, a doll payment, social oh, security right. from the government. This is in Israel. Yeah. Okay, so that doesn't make them popular in Israel. They are not popular mm. at all. Interesting. Yeah, because they're basically, they are getting paid by the government to do nothing. Well, they're studying the scriptures. What they're do you studying mean? the scriptures, <laughs> that is true, but they don't participate. They're not contributing, are they? They don't contribute to mm. society. They're not in, they don't have to be in the army. 
Right, okay. Right, all Israeli society is they have to join the army when they finish mm. school. Guys go in for three years, girls go in for two years. But if you're an ultra-Orthodox, you're exempt unless you choose to go of your yeah, own right. volition. Wow. So they don't contribute to the army. They don't pay any taxes. They're not working. Mm. They don't do anything. They just have lots and lots of babies and expect the government to pay for them. Wow. They're not very popular yeah, in Israel for that, that. reason. Yeah. I mean, I sat on a bus one time. I was traveling in Jerusalem. An ultra-Orthodox man got on and sat down in a seat and the lady sitting right next to him got up and moved to another seat. Oh, wow. And then when other people come in, they either sat in another seat or they stood up. They wouldn't sit next to an ultra-orthodox wow. man. Interesting. Yeah, it's really Is, is it the same politically as well? Like, are they involved politically or do they sort of just shy away from that side There of are religious political groups. They're very religious and they basically hold the Israeli government a little bit with a chokehold because right. the conservative religious vote's quite strong still. Mm-hmm. But the government has been trying for a long time to remove the exemption for mandatory armed service to no avail as yet. It's a political hot potato. So Mm. there are some that are involved to protect their particular desires, but it's not. Let's just say, you know, how communities become very polarized from left and right. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what it's like in Israel regarding normal Jewish society and the Haredi community, ultra-Orthodox community. It's very Mm. polarizing. But can I just say they're not bad people? Yeah. They believe what they believe because that's what they've been taught and they're very dedicated and they're very committed to the Torah and to uh, serving God as they read it in in the scriptures and their sacred writings. They're not bad people. But, you know, if they weren't so isolated and Mm. they weren't so closed off and so absolutely shut off to anybody else, they might be able to... I'm going to say this nicely to come out of the dark and into the light, if you know what I mean. Mm, interesting. To join the rest of society. Well, that is a bit of a quick overview on the ultra-Orthodox. Next time we're going to be studying about Karite Judaism. That's next time on Foundations. This has been Foundations, a look at the Jewish foundations of our Christian faith. For study notes, resources and more, see vision.org.au slash foundations. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.